Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. My original plan was I was going to um, just kind of share my heart a little bit, a little bit about the vision of where we're headed, a little bit about where Thrive is going, um, what God is doing in this place and with our house. But um, during worship, I just felt like God asked me to change it. All right. And I thought I had a plan. How many you know sometimes you have a plan and then God's like, ha your, fa- your plan's funny. <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? So uh, that doesn't mean I'm going to preach really fire. I don't know. Maybe that's what that means. But it's just hot up here. I'm taking off my jacket. Um, so I want to I share uh, just something I feel like God put on my heart um, for you, for, for you specifically. Uh, I don't know if you even thought you were going to come today, but uh, I'm glad you did. And so I just felt like as God was speaking to me in the corner over there and presence God was in the room. He's just like, hey, I want you to speak on this instead. And so we're going to make some announcements at the end, and I'll try to figure all that out later on. Um, but, but this I want to do. I want to I share with you a little bit. And I want you to know this is not planned. So it might sound a little all over the place and a little crazy, but just go with me. Is that okay? Is that cool? Okay. All right. So we're going to go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. I want to read to you a lot of scripture real quick, because I think it'll give you the context of what the heck we're going to talk about. And I think there's a specific word that God has in that for someone in the room, if not all of us. I know it was for me. And, and then we're just going to go and see how long it is, and then we're going to pray, and then we'll move on with the conference. Sound good? All right. Okay. I want to go to verse 2. All right. I want to go to verse 2. And it says this. It said, he had two wives. So they're talking about Elkanah, a man named Elkanah, right? Ephraim and Elkanah. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penaniah. And Penaniah had children, but Hannah had no children. I want you to focus on that, all right? The Bible says that there was a man that had two wives. One was Hannah, another was Penaniah. One had children, one didn't. Penaniah had kids, Hannah did not have kids. That's going to be very important. Now, this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of the hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord, verse 4. And on the day when Elkanah Elkanah sacrificed, or gave worship or sacrificed, he would give portions to Penaniah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters, all his kids. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival, Hannah, Hannah's rival, her rival used to provoke her grievously, to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? That's the first moment anyone gaslighted in the Bible. If you know what gaslighting is. If you don't, you can Google it later. And after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorstep of the temple of the Lord. She was, des- she was deeply distressed. This is verse 10. So if you're like, where did he go? I'm in verse 10. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. 
And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you would indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor shall touch his head. Here, let's stop there. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. You know what you're saying. Help me to get out of the way. And God, I pray that every heart and mind would hear what you're having to say to them. I pray that you would just drop something and deposit something into our house in this moment. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So as I was praying, uh, like the, the plan was to write, talk vision, and this is where we're going, and yeah, thrive, right? Come on. Uh, but, but as I was praying, I, I felt like God asked me a question, and he, really he was telling me what to do, but he, he's nice. He asked it in the form of a question. And he said, hey, Chris, I, I want you to talk to them, not at them, first off. And then the second thing he asked me to do was, I want you to give them a message for them right now, or, or I want to speak to their heart right now, not about the place and where it's going. And I think as a leader, if I could be vulnerable, that's kind of tricky because that's what like these conferences are for, right? The, that's kind of what we do in these moments is it's a year to kind of, it's, it's a moment to kind of catalyze and get ready. And even as a staff and as a pastoral team, that's, that's what we were talking about. And so that's, that my job is to kind of just let the place and the house and the people know and, and you know, hey, this is the vision of where we're going. And that's why we're bringing a guest speaker and he does all the like other stuff. You know what I'm saying? But as I was praying, I felt like God said that there was something specific he needed to say to someone in the room today. And uh, it's this, it's, I feel like God is wanting to speak to someone's heart and he wanted me to bring up the Hannah passage because I feel like for those that are in the room, especially in this room where weekend and week out you serve, weekend and week out you give, weekend and week out you are trying. I would say the people in this room for the most part, I mean, only God knows your heart, but for the most part, you are wholeheartedly trying to go after God. Can we say yes to that, right? Yeah. Can we say that you're trying to raise your family in the Lord? You're, you're trying to follow Jesus, man. You're, you're trying to do this thing. And, and how many know that it's much harder to do the right thing than the wrong thing? It's, mu it's hard to get to church on Sunday. It's even harder to get to church on Sunday before huddle at 8.15. Come on now. It's hard to do what we, it's hard to go to group. It's even harder to lead a group, right? It's hard, it, it, I'm not, and it's not a bad heart, like we're called to it and there's purpose and there's passion and, and God fills us absolutely and, and, and there's real joy in it, but, but let's be honest, there, there is some things that, there's a difficulty and, and there's a lot that goes on when we give and, and, and we wanna be part of a place that God is moving in and I think we are, but, but what I felt from the Lord is this, is that sometimes, even when you're serving, sometimes, even when you're giving, sometimes, even when you're trying, sometimes, even when you're doing everything you know you're supposed to be doing, your heart can still feel empty. Here's what I want to tell you we're not going to do at Thrive. We're not going to grow so we can get more volunteers, so we can grow more, because we need, and then we need more volunteers and then we're gonna grow more, and then we need more volunteers, and we're just gonna be big for funsies. That's not what we're gonna do. What we're gonna do is we're gonna be a place and a people that are gonna have the heart of God, and God's gonna have our heart, 
And if we grow, it's not because the place is cool or the building's nice or the teams function well, but it's because Jesus is here. That's, that's, that's what I burn for. I'm not burning for a big church. I'm burning for people to encounter Jesus. I think a consequence of people going after Jesus is multiplication, though. Don't get me wrong with that. But, but I want to focus on this part. So, so you have this story. And, and, and I think for me in this season, this, this whole first Samuel, I was talking with Pastor Alberto about this earlier. We were hanging out. Um, this has been something I've been doing with my son Zadok. We read the book of Samuel right now because he wants to find out where he is in the Bible. He goes, he's in 2 Samuel. So I was like, hey, we'll start with 1 Samuel first, right? And and the story has been gripping my heart, and, and, and in particular, the story of Hannah, because here you find a woman who has done everything right, but yet the thing that she so desperately desires in her heart has not come into fruition. And I just, I just feel that oftentimes we live in that tension, family. We live in the tension of what God has promised versus what we don't see. Yet, what's beautiful about Hannah is that she never stopped serving through the process of her pain. Right? And, and don't get me wrong, there's times where, hey, I need to take a break. I get, we, we're, we're a healthy church. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trying to make any, I'm not guilt tripping anyone. But what I'm trying to speak to is I felt like there was someone in the room today that has been going after God and doing all the right things, but isn't seeing the result that you expect to see. And it's almost been a season of provoking and not in a good way, but in a bad way. And I want to tell you that if you've been in a season where you have felt provoked, right? Because the Bible says that Hannah had a rival and this rival would provoke her. This rival would make fun of her. This rival would remind her of what she didn't have. This rival would remind her of her past. Kind of sounds like the devil, right? This, 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 this rival would remind her of what God said the opposite of, right? And what can begin to happen, can I tell you, Hannah was moments away from God doing something in her life, right? Because the promise is Samuel. See, what you have to understand is she's not giving birth to just some random kid. She's giving birth to a man named Samuel. Samuel ends up becoming a prophet and a judge to the nation of Israel. Samuel ends up becoming the one who finds David and makes David and Saul king. Samuel, the Bible says, is such a prolific prophet that he says every word that came out of Samuel's mouth never fell to the ground. Talk about that in a prophetic movement where you're like 100% accurate the whole time. That was Samuel. One of the greatest men, one of the first men in Israel's history to really turn Israel back to God. That is what she was contending for. And this is why this word hits me, okay? This is why this, heard with, this, is why this speaks to me. I don't, I don't know if it speaks to you, but it speaks to me. Is because I'm believing that we are on the precipice of Samuel coming forth. If I could speak metaphorically, I believe that God is wanting to birth and do something in us. God is wanting to release something through us that I believe people would encounter Jesus. See, see and, and you got to look at this in an Old Testament foreshadow of the New Testament, Samuel. 
Samuel finds David, who David is the great, 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 and a couple other greats, great, great grandfather of Jesus. Therefore, if it was not for Samuel, the Messiah would have never came into the world. And in the same way, I wonder if God is wanting us in this season of tension like Hannah possibly, where we are doing everything we're supposed to, yet we're not seeing the thing we want to see. It's because we're right on the cusp of a Samuel being born that would introduce a generation to Jesus. If I can speak to it in a New Testament context, are we on the precipice of God doing something so deep in us that the gospel good would be released out of us? That's what I burn for. I want people to know Jesus. I re like really know Jesus. All of him, not just some of him. And I've learned that in my life, you know, I think even we, we can read the story of uh, The, of, of David and Saul and Goliath and all that stuff. But, but I've learned in my life, man, I, I, I've learned that God's called me to be a Samuel. The problem is, is Samuel doesn't get born unless a Hannah's willing to go after God and pray. So Hannah's tension, I want you to catch it. I'm going to close. I'm going to close like in five minutes, okay? Hannah's tension leads her not away from the house of God, but to the house of God. And in, and, in a, and in a time where everyone, and come on, y'all, we live in California. There's more excuses to not go to church and follow Jesus than anywhere else. Bro, it's insane. When, if, if it drizzles, people stay home. Come on. Not even rain. Come on, we just like survived Noah's flood. Let's be real, like in the last few weeks. Anything and everything. And, and, and again, you, you know my heart about the whole church attendance thing. I've already spoken on that. If you don't know, go on the YouTube channel. I've talked about it, okay? But I'm talking to, like, like Hannah's rival, the demonic influence of her life that would kind of discourage the promise that God gave her, right? Hannah's husband, who was supposed to be the one that protect her, yet is giving off his own insecurity to make her feel worse about herself. Come on now. Because how many know that sometimes the closest people to you project onto you, and when they project onto you, it begins to distract you from the promise? That's another message for another day. It doesn't matter. Hannah's, all of that, she takes it, and she shows up to the temple, and, and even, and even, she shows up to the temple, and if you read a couple chapters down, the priest thinks she's drunk. He mistakes her desperation for addiction. He mistakes her obsession with God for something that's unhealthy when actually it's the very thing that's going to give her breakthrough. And I'm just wondering, in a, cultural in, a, in a cultural predicament, in a current moment in society right now, where we have a rival that is speaking falsely and is trying to negate the promise of God in your life, I want to get it personal. You have an enemy that whispers in your ear in the morning and at night that will try to shut you down of the very thing that God has promised you. You might have family and personal people who would try to project their insecurities and personal struggles and unhealthiness to try to distract you of all the things that God's trying to do and then a religious society not necessarily here but in general a religious society that would mistake the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit for something that it not really is you culminate all this together and what you find is not something that's not going to happen but what you find is a Hannah at the altar of the temple asking God to do what he said he was going to do 
I don't believe it's the season to step back. I believe it's the season to go deeper. Because Samuel's coming. There's a boy that's going to be born that will not have a razor to his head, that will be dedicated to God, who will change a nation back to Jesus. There's a promise on the way. So here's what I felt the Lord say. He sees the tension in your life. He sees it. He sees the chaos. He sees the pain. He sees the frustration. He sees it. I want you to know right now that he sees it. He sees the hurt. I want you to know that although you might think you're being looked over because someone else got it, doesn't mean that he's looking you over because he still sees where you're at. The difference is maybe the tension and the delay is because the breakthrough is deeper than yourself. That's what God spoke to me. Maybe the thing I'm feeling, could we believe that what we're going through now is not breakthrough for us, but for what's to come? Can you fight for something you may never see? Can you build something that you'll never reap? Can you sow into something you'll never see the harvest of? And I'm not just talking, like, 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 guys, make it personal. I'm not talking about a church. God's got this place. We're, we're, we're good. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about your kids. I'm talking about your family. I'm talking about everything that really matters in your life in some ways. And yeah, maybe this place too, right? Come on, let's be real. But all of it, but all of it. So the appropriate response to the tension is not to get defensive or to disappear or to quit. The appropriate response to the tension is to go after God wholeheartedly like Hannah did. And look what Hannah said. Hannah, Hannah, Hannah gives God kind of not an ultimatum, but he, he, she bargains with God in this moment. She says, God, if you would give me a son, I'll give him back to you. You know what was probably hardest for Hannah? Not when God did the miracle, but when Hannah had to come up on her end from the miracle. Because you find out later in chapter one that Hannah comes back once the boy's old enough and he lays him at the, she lays him at the temple and she gives him to the priesthood. And the priesthood's corrupt. But it doesn't matter because she made a promise to God. Two questions I have for you. One, is the tension of your life leading you closer to Jesus or farther in this season? Because can I tell you, if the tension and the pain and the hurt is leading you farther away from Jesus, you're giving the devil what he always wanted. The tension and the pain doesn't get us further. It actually is designed to draw us closer. And the second question, second question would be this, that if you were to get the breakthrough, are you willing to give it back to Jesus? Are you willing to give him the thing that you always wanted? Where instead of it becoming your thing, it's his thing. 
And that's what I feel the Lord telling me in this season. If I could be vulnerable and honest. See, so I'm standing in the corner as Josh is singing that last worship song, which always messes me up when anybody sings it anyways. That song for years. All is for your glory, right? Put me anywhere. But put your glory in me. Like some of y'all, you don't know what you're singing. <laughs> you ever sing something and... <laughs> Right? You ever, you ever lead worship, bro, and you're like, they don't know what they're singing. Okay, yeah. That's like, put me anywhere, but put your glory in me. I'll serve anywhere. You don't know what you're singing. But just let me see your glory. It's a heart posture of God because you're the prize. You're the one. You're the great. I was nothing without you. I don't need anything. I don't need anything else except you. And God, whatever you give me, I'll give it back to you. And that's the beauty of the story of Hannah. Is that Hannah could have been disobedient to her promise, even though God came through on his end, and she could have kept Samuel, but Samuel would have never been a priest, and Samuel never would have found David. And the question I feel like God asking me is, Chris, if I actually do what you're asking me, would you make it about me and not about you? vulnerable pastor moment would you make it about me and not about you would you give it back to me or would you mess with it and, I, and, I, and I, in my heart I'm like God it's yours because I wouldn't have had it without you anyways let me remind you in the moments where you feel like on a personal level of serving and leading, the moments where you feel like, man, this is tough and this is hard and I get it. I get kids workers. I get when the kids aren't listening. I get when they got boogers everywhere and you don't know if they have COVID or not. I get when the slides aren't working, production team. I get when the worship set isn't landing the way it's landing. I get it. I get when the people and your, your job is to just say hi and smile and they mean mug you as you come in, as they come in the room. I get it. When no one shows up to your group, I get it. And I get the tension and I get the frustration and I get the pain and the hurt. And that's just serving. There's so many more deeper things to that. But can I remind you that without Jesus, you wouldn't have any of it in the first place. Can I remind you that without God doing what he did in your life, what would have mattered? And so the times where I go to God, even myself, and I'm complaining about things, I think God laughs at me because he's like, bro, what are you talking about? Do you know who you were before I met you? Do you know who you, where you were going without me? Do you know how I rescued you and how I saved you? This isn't your promise, it's mine. And so it takes me back to the place of humility like Hannah I think God is asking us to have a, a Hannah moment where we would respond. And I just speak to the person who's in this room who needs to hear that. That maybe you're in this room and you're frustrated and you're angry and you're hurt and you're tired. Because Hannah was frustrated and angry and hurt and tired. I want you to know that God sees you. And now's the time to go after him more than ever before. Because when you go after him, that's the precursor of Samuel being born. That's the precursor of Samuel being born. Do me a favor, stand your feet with me. 
Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.